So let's start Matthew 5, verses 38 through 42. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist him who is evil. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. And whoever shall force you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him or her who asks of you, and do not turn away from him or her who wants to borrow from you. Let's pray. Hmm. Lord, thank you that to live in your kingdom is hard for the natural man in all of us. That old Adamic nature. But Lord, we're, we've been born again to an entirely new creation. We are kanos, which means it's never been created before. Being born again in human flesh. Thank you that you live within us. Thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit. And thank you it is only by your Spirit that we will be brought to a place of obedience to what you've said in this foundation of your kingdom. So Lord, help us tonight. Help us to not only hear, but help us to receive and to act on and to live out what you're wanting to communicate to all of us tonight. So speak, Lord. Your bondservants are listening tonight. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, when Jesus lived on the earth 2,000 years ago, Rome was in control, you're all aware of that. And Roman soldiers could force Israeli civilians to carry their burden, whatever it was, they could force them to carry it for about approximately a mile, but no more. And this law was designed to keep the soldier from taking extreme advantage of a civilian, even though to even take one mile is to take great advantage of someone. But since righteousness needs to be practical, applicable, understandable, so Jesus addressed the current situation of his day and gave his listeners a very practical illustration. They all knew what it was to walk a mile for a Roman. So he taught them through the principle of going the second mile. That love goes an extra distance beyond what it is compelled to do. I want you to turn, let's look at the Old Testament passage in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 19, I want us to look at six verses. Deuteronomy 19, verses <clears throat> excuse me, 15 to 21. 
One witness shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. And if a false witness rises against any man to testify against him of wrongdoing, then both men in the controversy shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who serve in those days. And the judges shall make careful inquiry, and indeed, if the witness is a false witness, who has testified falsely against his brother, then you shall do to him as he thought to have done to his brother. So you shall put away the evil from among you. And those who remain shall hear and fear, and hereafter they shall not again commit such evil among you. Your eyes shall not pity, life shall be for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Now God gave a very clear standard for justice for the priests and the judges to follow. And what's so neat is that God had reasons of why he put these standards into place. It did several things. First, it protected against unjust retaliation. In other words, getting more or taking more than it is fair. Only one eye for one eye, not two eyes for one. And many times we humans want to get more than what is fair because of either vengeance or greed. But just retribution kept the judge fair, prohibiting his receiving a bribe or showing partiality. Second thing that it did, protected against unjust retribution, and then it was a deterrent. It would cause a man to think twice before committing a crime. He knew that the penalty would be exactly what he had inflicted on another, and especially if he falsely accused, he'd get what he was accusing of. It's a good way to harbor evil. And thirdly, it held people accountable for their behavior. The judges and the priests were to judge offenders and punish them, but the offended person was not to get his own revenge. Now let's go to the New Covenant. Let's, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul's instructing Timothy, his disciple, and looking to bring out aspects of the law that is good, and looking to go even above and beyond the law, to the law of love that we'll see. 1 Timothy 1, verses 8 through 10. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. This is strong. The law is for the ungodly, not for the righteous. It's for godly men and women in any time of judicial system. 
looks to protect the guilty and lets them go free or even allows the guilty to pay a lesser punishment for what their crime deserves, lawlessness is encouraged. And unfortunately, brothers and sisters, this is happening here in our day in our country. Chaos abounds in the world today because of increasing humanistic philosophies that give freedoms without holding to any absolutes. There's no righteous standard of truth, of what is good, what is evil. So in our liberality, in our push toward that, we're destroying ourselves. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, Because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. In other words, strong justice that is executed swiftly is the greatest deterrent against evil. I learned this from 1983. Friends uh, that I had been part of with the church up in Rockford. Uh, I had been in Jerusalem for about a year and a half and he and his wife had gotten assigned to Saudi Arabia to head up a an air conditioning country in Saudi Arabia. That's a good business in Saudi. But while they were there, uh, they treated me to eight days in Cairo, and it was thrilling for me. But they ended up telling me stories of what life was like in Saudi Arabia. And after their first month of being there, some friends said, hey, you should watch 12 noon on Fridays, the state television of what happens. He said, it is public, just a second, I'll figure out what the word is, no, not punishment, no, public justice, that's what it was, public justice. So what happened was, they watched it on Friday, and the man that was convicted, rested for robbery, stole something from someone, and it is convicted. He was sentenced within seven days, and on nationwide television, they showed his right hand being severed on national television with the screens, the blood, everything. And it was a horror to my American friends. Absolute horror. And after the hand, there was someone that had committed a capital crime off with the head, and they showed it on TV. One thing you can be rest assured of, he said, where we live in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, you can leave a camera bag full of thousands of dollars of equipment at the busiest cross-section in the city. And you can come back in an hour, and it'll still be there. Because if anyone gets caught stealing that, they know it's going to cost them their right hand. Justice is strong, and it is swift. That's why there are not many people that steal in Saudi. Unless they have a crazy way of thinking or believe that they can get away with it, but they may end up with just one hand. Swift and strong justice. And because justice is not executed speedily, 
the wisdom in, in Ecclesiastes says, there, therefore in the sons of men it is fully set on their hearts to do evil. I can get away with it. Well, in Matthew 5, Jesus was saying that those who are righteous are really controlled by a higher law. And he called for the higher law to be obeyed, and that's the law of love, as opposed to a law of legalism. Love has always been the true intent of the law, always. Our love for others rather than our fear of punishment should keep us from sinning against one another. And in Matthew 5, 39, Jesus said not to resist an evil person. Now, what does that mean? We're not to resist an evil person. Well, the word resist is a Greek word which suggests vigorous opposition and standing one's ground. So in other words, this type of resistance reveals stubbornness and rebellion. And Jesus was preaching meekness and love. So we are to resist the devil, James 4, 7. But we are not to resist someone out of our own selfishness or out of our own rebellion. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans 13, <clears throat> verses 8 through 10. He says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, all, are all summed up in this one saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So since love is the fulfillment of the law, we're not required to demand an eye for an eye. We can lawfully forgive and turn the other cheek. As I mentioned earlier, the purpose of the law was to protect a person from unjust retribution and to cause a man to think twice before committing a crime. But the higher law of love is fulfilled when we turn the other cheek. If we are to be perfect, as our Heavenly Father is perfect, which Jesus is going to talk to us about in later in this sermon. We have to go beyond the legalism of the law to the true intent of the law, which is always love. Obedience to the word really does go against our flesh, doesn't it? Well, in our text, in Matthew 5, 38 through 42, Jesus is not teaching the doctrine of pacifism. These verses are not dealing with the issue of war. They apply to individual believers, not to judicial systems or nations. God is also not saying that we are to keep turning the, cheek, the other cheek until we're beat to death. Not at all. Allowing others to abuse us is really enabling evil that will bring them under further judgment, which is a very unloving thing to do. Also, we are not to give away our possessions until we have nothing less, unless 
the Holy Spirit specifically directs you to do that. Whatever we do, we are to do out of love. Love always desires the highest good of another. Always. God calls us beyond legalism that wants to know how far it can go to a love that never considers itself at all. What a challenge God gives to us. Love will give up its rights to demonstrate the character of God. Love gives to him who asks and who wants to borrow. That's because love is more concerned about another's need than about holding on to what he has. The giver takes on the character of Christ whose nature is to give. God so loved the world that he gave. I want you to listen to these words of Acts 20 verse 35. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now Jesus did not say it would be more natural or easier to give than to receive. But that it would be more blessed. When we turn the other cheek or give away our coats or give to him who asks, and love our enemies. We show that we care more about God and others than we really do about our own lives. This is meekness. Meekness is not concerned with self at all. It doesn't defend its rights and it is laying down its life for another. How many of us here tonight lack meekness? Yeah, this is how I am. This stuff is challenging. Oh God Almighty, please help us to become meek. This is meekness. We must not even desire to get even. God requires holiness of heart as well as holiness of life. And we're not only to refrain from returning evil for evil, but we are to return good for evil and to bless those who curse us and to pray for those who use us. Holy Spirit, please help us. Just as people take advantage of God, so they will take advantage of us when we act like Him. And just as God's character never changes because of man, so our character should not be altered by what others do. Here's the truth. In this life, we will have times of being treated unjustly. Proverbs 20, 22 says, Do not say, I will recompense evil. No. Wait for the Lord and he will save you. Let's turn to John 18. I want us to consider something that I think fits in here wonderfully concerning the life of Jesus. Jesus is standing before authorities 
John 18, starting in verse 22 and 23. And then one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, do you answer the high priest like that? And Jesus answered him, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? Now, I want you to notice that Jesus did not turn his other cheek, but he challenged the man who hit him. He did not answer force with force, but he did expose and rebuke the wrong that was done. You see, if we never resist the wrongs that are imposed on us, then we are allowing and encouraging those sins. Lawbreakers are to be brought before the court, and it's not our place to take vengeance into our own hands. It is our place to turn in lawbreakers over to God and to authorities. We're also not to take trivial matters to court, like suing someone over taking our coat. We must know when to forgive a matter and let it go. We must learn to forgive a matter and let it go. And also when to press charges while forgiving in our hearts. We need to devote our time and strength to eternal pursuits in these difficult days. Holding on to hurts and resentments in our hearts will always prevent us from being free to really hear the Lord's voice and to serve Him with all our hearts. So looking again at the last verse in Matthew 5, 42 for tonight. Jesus speaks of the generous spirit that we are to have. We are to generously return good for evil. And friends, the time to go the extra, di the extra distance, it's upon us right now. Let's pray. Lord, it's no wonder we need to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome all of the fleshly thoughts and desires and attitudes and actions of our old nature. And Lord, it's not a one-time battle when we first get saved. It's an ongoing war. And yes, we win some battles and we lose some battles. But Lord, I pray that you would allow us to really see how intense this war actually is. The flesh is against the spirit and the spirit is against the flesh. Paul made that powerful statement because he experienced it in his own life and so do we. So Lord, I... I had a couple of moments just in this message to just say, Father, Almighty God, help us. Holy Spirit, helper, help us in these matters.
It's not only hard to turn the other cheek. Sometimes it's even hard to walk the first mile. And Lord, I pray that you'd forgive us when we've caved in and not even gone a first mile. Where we've taken a few steps and said, oh, that's it for that. Lord, I pray obedience to your word to be released into our lives. I pray that we would so long to have intimate friendship with Jesus that we could be called your friends by you. You are my friends if you do what I tell you to do. And Lord, this Sermon on the Mount is so powerful, so challenging. It is the way of the cross. But Lord, it's the only way that leads to abundant life. Abundant life. So Father, I pray, each of us, as weak as we are in our own strength, by the power of the Holy Spirit that's residing in us, you would have us become more than conquerors over our fleshly instinct. That we could be such ambassadors of Christ that we would reflect the character of Jesus in the difficult times that we're experiencing now and those that lie ahead. So Father, thank you for the challenge and thank you that it's hard. The things that have really cost us are the things that are most special to us in the long run. So thank you for this word tonight, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that it's a challenge to each of us. And now I pray your grace and an awareness of your presence move among us as we go to our small groups and have a time of sharing your word of what you are saying to us in this wonderful hour of salvation history. Be blessed, be honored, be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.